that's, that's beautiful. Watch on the process beginning to end. Talking shop with your musical friends. Austin and Min. Austin and Min. Write a musical. Welcome back. Yeah, welcome back to another episode of Amwham. <laughs> Amwham. We were just talking about how we never say that. But it's in our end credits. So. Yeah. There you go. Amwham. Welcome back, you Amwhammers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What's everybody's nickname that listens to this? What's the group called? Amwhammers. Amwhammers? Am, Amwhammajammas. <laughs> Whammers. Well, that sounds... You don't like my idea? <laughs> You're right. This is a yes and environment. Yeah. And yes and your idea sucks. Oh. <laughs> um, hey, everybody. Um... Welcome back to another episode of Austin and Red and Musical. Uh, I'm Austin, and this week we're interviewing Min and finding Yay. out what he's doing. It's all about Min. Finally, I get to talk. Yeah. Um, what's up? <laughs> uh, you know, making a little podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I how well? So the I should say the premise of this episode is uh, last time. We talked about what is keeping me from writing our musical Proxima, yes. <laughs> and this time we're talking to Min about what's keeping him from writing our musical Proxima, Yes, um, so that you guys don't think it's just my fault. <laughs> um, yeah, so let us know, hashtag Team Austin or Team... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes! That is exactly the kind of rivalry I want. To get going. On a podcast. Yeah. Because where are they going to hashtag it? I don't even know. <laughs> who's even Who's even paying On the attention? internet. That's where people hashtag um, things. Um, yeah. Well, so I think last time we started with uh, you asking me what culture, what media I'm engaging with. And, yes. And what stories or what things are you engaging with? Let's see. I saw Ralph Breaks the Internet. Oh. And I liked it a lot. I yeah. don't think it was like universally. I, well, it got pretty good reviews, but I, you know, I could see where some people might not like it. Uh-huh. But where it uh, really reeled me in was it felt like a really good sequel. Oh, where did you see Incredibles two? Uh huh. You know, Incredibles two is a lot of fun. Uh huh. But I would say thematically, it's a weaker sequel because I feel like the villain in Incredibles two isn't as tightly woven into the fabric of that universe. Yeah, I agree. And in some ways, Incredibles 2 felt like we were revisiting the same... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the same issues as Incredibles 1. Like, in the first ten minutes, it's like, we're gonna reset things and make them make supers illegal again, and now they're facing it, but now it's Mrs. Incredible who yeah. has to go out and has... No, the, the structures were too parallel. Yeah. I That bothers me in... In sequels. Yeah. Like, I don't want to just reset and do the same movie again. Right. So um, I feel like Ralph Breaks the Internet, uh, it was really risky, uh-huh. I think. And I think there may be some things that won't stand the test of time because of the internet references mm-hmm. and what have you. Like, it'll feel dated. Uh, the arcade one, the, the, the first one, probably uh, because they were hearkening to older arcade days... We don't have to worry about that as much, but mm-hmm. I think this one, it's definitely set in today. Yeah. Um, and there might be some internet jokes in there that are already 
old, <laughs> quite honestly. Um, and then, of course, if you've seen any of the trailers, there's the self-referential stuff with the Disney princesses uh-huh. and all that's great. And I feel like what they do with that uh, ends up being pretty satisfying. Oh, that's good. And it also ends up being satisfying for the character of Vanellope and okay. what she grapples uh-huh. with in yeah. the movie. I'm trying not to give too much away. But yeah. it was, yes, it was obviously like that whole self-referential, but we're also going to make a lot of money by referencing our own Disney princesses thing. Mm-hmm. But it was integrated into the questions Vanellope ends up asking herself. Oh, that's good. And the relationship between Ralph and Vanellope goes somewhere. Oh, good. Completely different. Uh-huh. And yeah, I just felt like they the issues dealt with in this friendship are also kind of really true to life. Uh-huh. Um, and they did it in a way that was very moving, surprisingly. And, I mean, it doesn't take me much to, like, be drawn to teary eyes when I'm watching an animated film. For some reason, the animated films just, like, can get me. Yeah. No problem. Um, but this brought me there. And in a in a plot situation or character relationship situation that I feel like isn't all that common in Disney films... Yeah. So I really enjoyed it uh, for that reason of as far as like elongating these characters' journeys in a way that felt like it makes sense that this is the next thing that these characters would then have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah. saw that. Um, I've been watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yeah. On we, Amazon Prime. Are you doing season one or season two? We just started season two. Okay, yeah. And we I we have we did season one when it came out and haven't had time to look Start? at season two. Yeah, season two. yeah. What did you think of season one? I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I have been saying I think it's one of one of the few shows that had a stronger pilot than it did the first. Mm. Like it, I thought the pilot for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season one was one of the best pieces of television I've seen in mm-hmm. a long time. And I thought that after that, the show had to sort of, like, kind of build itself back up. Yeah. I mean, it's also a little unfair. Like, they basically wrote a movie for the pilot. Yeah. And then and then had a 12 episodes to write or whatever it was. Yeah, I think so, it was eight yeah. or seven after um, that. But. but so, like, they had to sort of stretch the arc in a little bit. Um, yeah, they did a little bit of a... In episode two, it almost reset a little yeah, bit. Yeah, where yeah. I was like, oh, I guess we're back to that. Right, but, you know, if it's a TV show, then that's kind of true of, like, people's lives. Yep. They, something incredible might happen, but then they haven't changed yet as yeah. a result. So yeah, it's fine. But, yeah, season two, uh, I'm enjoying. It's definitely leaned into the quirkiness hmm. a lot more. Interesting. Which, um, I actually don't mind it. I enjoy mm-hmm. it. I feel like the other characters are getting. Uh, I mean, they they feature the other characters pretty well, but the the other characters are kind of getting in on the comedy action, mm-hmm. <laughs> not the not the stand up comedy, but sure. as far as getting the feature. Uh, I'm in the middle of the season, so I don't know how it's going to end up. But I just appreciate. I, I I I'm a sucker for quirky things. Yeah. I like if as long as it's quirky, you probably got me. Well, it yeah. has to be. You know, good, but... <laughs> yeah. I have a real crush on Rachel Brosnahan. Of course. Yeah. She's yeah. so cute. <laughs> and funny. Dude, your your wife is in the other room. She knows. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then that's okay. <laughs> um, otherwise, I don't know. I'm trying to read things. I've been kind of sucked into video gaming 
Yeah. Uh, well, what what's what's got your video game? Well, attention? I I shared with you about Okami, which I pronounce it that way because in the game they go Okami, but then everybody on YouTube says Okami. Oh, so I don't know. Well, it's probably the the in game. Is probably correct. Probably. But it's an older game that is now out for Switch. Uh, follows... It's very Legend of Zelda, where you are a wolf going on this adventure to save the land that like you're you in. Like you do. Yeah. Like you do. Uh, but what's cool is the art is very much in uh, Japanese brush stroke style. And in fact, brush using different brush strokes um, can accomplish different things. Oh. Uh, and then the storytelling. Is that like a meta element or uh, well, just a stylistic element? It's both. Uh, oh, okay. So it's stylistically how the art is portrayed, but then you as the player can also at different times pause the action and then draw something to make something appear in the game Whoa. or change something or cut something with your brush. Yeah. Um, so, and then the storytelling itself is uh, also quirky, <laughs> it has its uh, moments of humor. And, yeah, like, I I kind of got to the point where I thought it was the end, and then I realized it wasn't, and I was a little disappointed because I thought, you know, I was done with the game. But the game really picked up after this midway point, and mm. so now I'm kind of itching to, to jump back. Uh, another game, I think I may have mentioned this game before, but L.A. Noir. I'm now... Oh, yeah. I'm further along. Is it still... Last time... I, I forgot that we talked about this, but last time I remember thinking that I really wanted to play it. Is it's, that still true? You know, I think this is where, last time I asked you the question of, like, it's because you're so busy. I think because I'm busy, like, it's less, I have less of a desire to sit down and play it because it takes a mm. lot of my mm -hmm. attention because each, there's a, there's a pattern. Like, a case happens, you go investigate the crime scene, then you go drive around historical LA. I think the map is actually historical. And investigate, or interview all these people, and then draw conclusions and then accuse and what, yeah. whatnot. But, you know, honestly, I think it's the driving. Maybe sure. there's a faster way to get around well, that I'm not aware of. Well, but. no, but, like, that is... So, that's a big problem that I have with video games is, like, I enjoy a game basically up until I see that pattern. Uh -huh. And then once I see the pattern, I, like, can't stop seeing it. And it feels rote. Interesting. Um, like, yeah. Elder Scrolls... Uh, Skyrim held my attention for longer than most games have, but it's like every mission you go on, you you interact with someone, you get a thing, and then you go out into the wilderness and you do a dungeon that is three stages. Yeah, and like second stage has a little mini boss, and third stage has a big monster. Yeah. Um. So there's there's a bit of that. I am still curious where the story goes. Yeah. So I do want to finish it. It's not like one I want to abandon in the mm -hmm. middle. But it's been, you know, and now Smash Brothers is out, so my brain is wanting to play that. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with L.A. Noir, But it's still, you know, intriguing, cinematic, mm -hmm. whatnot. Um, yeah. That's what's been keeping me yeah. occupied as far as leisure story time. Yeah. <laughs> But enough with this leisure story time. <laughs> what is keeping you busy in workland? Um, I think the biggest one right now is going to be Gold, the Midas musical. Yeah. Um, which I'm which, very excited about. Yeah? Yeah. That's cool. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm working on. Well, we're also working together. 
because you're not al- already busy, but you're going to help me refine the tracks. Yeah. The the performance audio tracks that the actors sing to, because we met, we mentioned this maybe last time, but a lot of TYA, Theater for Young Audiences, they don't have the budgets to hire a band or uh-huh. a bunch of musicians, so a lot of the tracks are pre-recorded. Um, and I just... Do not look forward to doing that part of the work. <laughs> Whereas I have come to really enjoy it. That's so good. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm excited to. Uh, one, I'm excited to like do a little collab, a little collaboration in like. That's not this. Yeah, that's not this. <laughs> um, like a little light collaboration. Uh-huh. Um, and also, I I don't know. I guess I harbor fantasies like that. My helping you is you're gonna feel like oh I can totally do this. This is not something to do. No, I think that's right. I think it's that thing in my brain where it just, like, starts off that way. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think once we actually get started, it'll be fine, and I will... I will be fine. I just... Yeah. I don't know what it is. My brain just doesn't want to, like, compute it right now. (laughs) Sure. Well, yeah, well, that's fair. Well, so, speaking of, like, where your brain is at, what stage of the project are you are you in right now? Yeah, so we did the workshop a couple months ago now, uh, got some good feedback on the draft. And when you are workshopping a show, or at least, I know that workshops can be sort of different, what, yeah. what, what were you looking to get out of this workshop? Like, what... Yeah. What was this workshop? Like, what was this the particular of it? workshop? It was a week long with a cast of actors uh, learning the music as quickly as possible so that we could do a final presentation kind of at the end of the week with different designers and the director in the room so they can get a sense of the show that they're going to be working on as well as to get their feedback. For me, the goals really were um, as a result of a previous workshop which was much uh, less intensive, um, to really track character arcs, character relationships, and where things were going. And I think from this particular workshop, what I got, uh, we were, uh, I I had, well, let me backtrack a little bit and say that this show started six or seven years ago. Yeah. And so I was coming up against this younger self writing, uh huh. And as well as just things that I had in mind from the get go six years ago, seven years ago when I was writing it, I think one of the big things is King Midas is known for his greed. Mm-hmm. And the way my adaptation has evolved is it's really not about greed. And I think that came up in this workshop as far as like, should, should there be more about greed? And I came to the conclusion afterwards when I was reworking the script of no, because that's no longer where the script lives. Mm -hmm. This really is about um, his obsession with gold comes from him not being able to deal with his inner emotional turmoil. It's an outlet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really more about control, Uh Uh, being able to control his life and feeling like, uh, well, this isn't a huge spoiler because... I don't know. It happens in the first 10 minutes, but his wife dies Mm -hmm. and that uh, affects him in such a way where he feels like the only way to move forward is to uh, get tough, to not let anybody else in, to not even interact much with his daughter because it would be too hurtful to think about that. So his character is not about greed, even though the classic fairy, uh, fairy tale, classic myth 
uh, is about that. So yeah. that was a decision I had to make because it felt like me trying to put greed in more, felt mm-hmm. like shoehorning it in. Yeah. Where it was like, no, the story I've ended up telling really ends up being about whether or not this king is going to choose to turn away from his family or towards his family. Yeah. So. Well, and uh, I think last time uh, we talked, or I talked about, like, um, co- what you, you have to complicate simple stories. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think, like, the Midas myth is a pretty, like, clear parable yes. and, like, a simple just sort of, like, he's so greedy that he wishes for this thing and be careful what you wish for because it's not actually very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's punished. He's greedy and so he's punished. Right. And that is, unless you're sort of contextualizing it, like I think you are in this story, it's like that That on its own is a tough thing to stretch for 60 minutes or whatever. Yeah, I think um, that's right. And I think maybe, I'm just realizing this now, is maybe that's where I had... Uh, issues with it because I've I've gotten I've written enough now where it's like I know how to trim things down and uh-huh. I don't I don't worry too much about it. I may love a song but I'm okay cutting it. I'm better at it than I used to be. Mm-hmm. But maybe I got so good at it that here I was trying to adapt this uh kind of uh prototype of a myth. Like uh-huh. it was one of the original myths, right? Like yeah. about this kind of character arc. And that coupled with me wanting to trim things down was actually not the direction I needed to be heading. It was complicating it. It was digging deeper and expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first time ever, I think I've been getting feedback that was like, no, make it longer, <laughs> <laughs> which was interesting to me. So yeah, I've definitely added more to both the character of King Midas and his daughter um, than the draft I had maybe two years ago, which was very much in that simple myth vein. Sure. Yeah. Well, and what I would say is like the I, the pitfall with adding stuff like that is that you potentially add stuff that um, alters the source material in a way that makes it unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And I would say that you have definitely not done. I I should say for the listeners, I've I've read <laughs> and seen some of the readings of the show. Yeah. Um, but and I don't think you've done that. I think you haven't changed the myth in a way that makes it feel like it's not the myth. Um, Great. Yeah. So. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad. Um, yeah. And other than that, I, well, this time around, it really has been focusing on Midas because I feel like at the workshop, I got him some stronger foundation of why he's acting the way he's acting. Mm-hmm. But there was still that residue of the greed storyline that needed to be taken out so this time around i feel like it's much more uh uh unified as far as where his arc is and so as we head into rehearsals in january although this might have this podcast episode might be out in january i don't know or later um but as we head into rehearsals i feel better whereas at the workshop going into it i knew the midas arc wasn't where i wanted it to be but Mm -hmm. that was the point of the workshop was to kind of figure some of that out yeah. So what uh, what happens from now until rehearsal for you? Now until rehearsal, well, one thing is those darned tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like you shared this with me today or yesterday, where uh, you said to do it like coats of paint. Mm-hmm. So we want to give the actors and the the creative team. Um, 
the tracks enough of the tracks not enough of the tracks quantity wise but enough yeah. of the tracks all of all of the tracks <laughs> all of the but... tracks but not so uh, i don't have to worry about them being fully produced but enough that they can rehearse and get a sense of the songs so that's yeah. there and that's maybe a less uh story telling creative element there will be creative elements in deciding sounds and uh you know samples and whatever to use um but script wise right now i'm waiting for feedback from director and dramaturg mm-hmm. to know uh if there's further revisions i could be making and then i need to go back through the score uh because i think there were changes that came up through the score uh for the score during the workshop that i haven't implemented yet because i wanted to work on the script before i went into the score yeah, sure. and so now that i'm going to get this feedback from director dramaturg uh I'll have enough information to then finally kind of solidify the score. Um, and I'm talking lyrical content-wise, so sometimes yeah, yeah. that doesn't affect the tracks. Sometimes it does, but um, yeah. And then ultimately it's getting things ready for rehearsals, and then once rehearsals start, being ready to make changes to get things ready for opening day. Yeah. yeah. Um, what I... How... Maybe this is sort of a generic, like playwright question or whatever but um i don't know if people realize like how much changes between like you start rehearsal and how much how much work are you still doing once rehearsal even starts uh you mean broadly speaking i guess broadly speaking i feel like it depends on the the show yeah um though most of the work most of the shows i've worked on in the rehearsal process i still have that moment there's like a moment where it's like, oh my gosh, something's not working here. And then it's like a, aha! Yeah. And it may be small in the scale of the entire show, uh-huh. but it feels big as far as like a moment that really wasn't working. Yeah. Um, that happened, uh, definitely happened for Where the Mountain Meets the Moon. Um, happened for Inside Out and Back again, for sure. And, and then sometimes it's not like that. Sometimes it's just I'm there in the room to answer questions because sometimes I know answers to questions that will help actors play the characters. Sure. Um, in, and you know, I don't like to lead them mm-hmm. un- unless they actually will think that that feedback is helpful or if the director thinks that feedback from me is helpful. Um, so it depends on the project, but especially with a musical, there's so much that you don't know until you actually have actors singing it. Mm-hmm. Cause I think in a reading for a play, you get a good sense. Like mm-hmm. Bad Kitty on stage and Inside Out and Back Again are plays that I've written. And I feel like those didn't change a ton during mm-hmm. rehearsal. Um, because in the workshops, we were able to get a good sense of the tone. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's going to happen for Gold. But I'm open to it being big. It would be nice if it weren't like something that would make me pull my hair out. But you never know. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you don't even know something's not working until you have actors rehearsing it in real time. Yeah. And then you go, oh, that's not reading the way I thought it was going to read. Yeah, for yeah. me, I feel like it's always like, this is taking too long. <laughs> what does that mean? Like, like, Pacing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like this moment that I thought was really important mm. is just like, wow, we're really sitting here yeah. and watching this yeah. for a long time. Yeah. Um, things what- like that. Yeah, that, and that's 
what's interesting about gold is I feel like it's been backwards. Sure, yeah. Where it's like, I feel like I've been rushing through moments. Yeah. And maybe now I've expanded it and will feel that certain moments are longer than they need to be. But, um, you know, it's like the accordion thing. It goes back and forth. But yeah, it's been interesting getting that feedback to to fill it up more. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Oh, God. The, The thing I always dread is like, you know, like, we really could use a song here. <laughs> Does that happen? It's ha- it happened. Oh, when was it? Uh, maybe Fly Guy. We added music. Oh, interesting. Um, and it was one of these things where, like, I, I could not figure out what it was. I like it was so mm. obviously right. Like, mm. like the note came, and it was like, oh shit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to swear on the podcast. Oh, we've sworn. We've no. We watched that one the, in like the second episode. You watched that Netflix oh, yeah. show with the F word in the Oh, that's true. So I think you're okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Well, and like if if the note, I don't know. It's like it's only devastating when the note is like we need you to do a whole bunch of work really quickly, and you yeah. get that note, and you're like, oh, you're you're correct. Yeah, <laughs> I completely agree. It's um, true. And then there's the whole thing of like, when is your show done? Like, yeah. Every show I've done, if I really wanted to go back, I'm there are changes that I can make. For sure. immigrants, yeah. I'm already thinking ahead if if it finally gets to the next production. When yeah. when it gets to the next production. But there's already like a change I have in mind, like, oh my gosh, that's gonna be much stronger than what's already there. And I you know, that's yeah. just going to happen. Totally. Um I on I think it was Fly Guy, maybe Julie, after some early draft, Julie McCormick, the dramaturg, gave me basically a note that was like, shouldn't this plot point, like, shouldn't you just do all of this in the beginning, in the first opening number of the show? And, like, not make the show about this, but just, like, do it all in the first number? Uh And it was just, like, so... It's what wound up happening, but it was just like, oh, you're so right, and I will just rewrite the whole thing. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing is, um, in a when you're doing a non musical play, those kinds of feedback, it, it'll it's like, ugh, but you can do it pretty yeah. easily. It's when it's like in a song, yeah, that you know, I immediately want to go, but you don't understand rhyme scheme. Yep. Yep. And you know, finding the right words mm-hmm. to to fit into the the scansion, whatever. Yeah. But you know they're right usually. Yeah. How, this is something that I do, but I don't. I've never talked to anybody about it. Have you ever like <laughs> a, like changed the whole concept of the song because you could not rhyme it? Because I could not rhyme. I'm trying it. to think of a specific example from my experience, but like I, I'll have an idea for what the like. Not usually a whole song, but it's like I'll know what the second. Like I'll do the first verse and chorus and like the set up the theme of the song and I'll know what I think the second half should be and I cannot communicate it correctly in lyrics and I will have to like scrap because the whole of, thing because it doesn't fit into yeah. what you've set up yeah, form yeah, yeah. wise in um that's probably happened to me in some fashion but not I I don't have any off the top of my head that remind mm. me of that I've definitely well in in gold uh Midas's solo, uh, his like I'm a mean guy solo, uh, was changed. Has been now changed, but I thought it was going to actually be a complete song change. Mm-hmm. But and I and and I actually got a song 
idea, like uh, a verse, I think, that was like, okay, this could be it. But then the more I sat with it, I realized I just needed a solution to, to bring... This is like so vague. I don't think this yeah. is going to be helpful at all. Um, but uh, basically, it used to be a song about him locking up his feelings, mm-hmm. which was tough because he was obviously angry. Sure. So that never felt 100% yeah. Where, right. what's that what's that anger doing right out, and out of he the would cage. the way i had it happen was like he explained it that's like <laughs> well but anger is okay so instead it was more like no his issue is that he's toughening up mm-hmm. so the lyrics used to be lock him up mm. and then i was like well they can now be tough enough but then it changes it because the way lock him up worked was like he starts off saying lock up the prisoners mm. and then mm-hmm. he talks about locking up his feelings so that was, i liked that yeah but toughen up didn't you couldn't say toughen up the prison yeah. like what does that mean yeah. um, but then i found a way to make it work where it was like uh prison or uh, the hey peasants you need to be tougher oh, and uh-huh. then he decides okay if you're not going to listen then i will toughen up and mm. then finally he translates that as this is the life lesson we should toughen up which, yeah. which he shares with his daughter so now the song actually didn't change but i needed to kind of go off a, off that path to mm-hmm. wrestle with what is happening in the scene before i realized i could actually change lyrics cuz because i had that lock em up setup of the prisoners and his feelings anytime i thought toughen up i could only think the lock em up sure. melody yeah, yeah, so yeah. i needed to get away from that to to find this new version of the song even though the song itself melody wise and chord wise hasn't changed yeah so yeah that's i don't know that wasn't what you asked but that what that's what happened no but i just (laughs) i yeah it's it's always just like interesting to me how um how like once you've sort of locked in what the song is like you kind of need to fit words to that thing like you can't just change the song every time you need a new concept explained right um and every now and then it's like, it's, oh, the most frustrating thing for me is when it's like, I've got two and I need a third. Like, I've got the first verse and chorus, which is like one concept. Second verse and chorus, like, elaborates on that concept. And then third, I need to, like, twist it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, like, cannot come up with, like, th- or, like, I know what it is even, but I can't come right. up with a third rhyming word. <laughs> Yeah. No, I, um, I, I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like you've looked at all the words that yeah. rhyme with, in this case, up. Yep. There was nothing, like, I was trying to find something that could t- could be something, but I didn't have to do it anymore, because uh, I, I kept the song as it was. But there are only so many words that rhyme. Yeah. So those of you who are so, like, picky about it needing to be a true rhyme, mm. I'm like, come no. on. Yeah. <laughs> It depends on the style for me. Yeah. If you're going for a, like an older style where that really mattered, then yeah, it will probably give that song more integrity. Yeah. But if you're doing like a pop rock song and pop oh, rock totally. artists don't really care about whether they're they don't true at all, or which not. is what's like really well, and also they they don't often care too strongly about like a strict, uh, like like in musical theater, I feel like the ideal is like a like a clearly spoken concept uh-huh. that just happens to be in rhythm and rhyme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas like pop music or rock music or like so much other music, like even um uh like uh heaven knows anything goes uh Cole Porter. Oh yeah. Um, like a lot of his songs are 
meant to be performed sort of standalone Separately, songs. yes. And, like, so he can rhyme whatever he wants, because, like, right. he can just, like, switch statements every turn. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that, it's, it's like, interesting the way musical theater has evolved. Yeah. Where it's, like, much more plot entrenched. Uh-huh. Which I feel like now we're seeing a lot more variety. Yeah. Like, there was a while there, I feel like, 80s, 90s, 2000s even, where it was, like, everything has to be entrenched, but maybe I'm wrong, but there's probably examples that are exceptions to that, but I feel like now we're seeing this spreading out where the more artsy songs are now coming in, coming back into musical theater, some to varying degrees of success, (laughs) depending on the show, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's probably the biggest thing keeping me busy. Yeah. And there's just other things floating around. That's a big thing. Yeah. Um, well, anything else you want to say? I feel like I don't that's think a... so. Um, yeah, I think that's good. Yeah. We'll be back. We'll be back. I, I don't know when. I don't know when either. Because we're, we're busy with these things. <laughs> um, but send us, send us emails. Yeah. We, yeah, maybe we'll be back when you send us a really interesting email question. <laughs> That'll give us a reason. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Austinandmin at gmail.com. Yep, that's correct. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, we'll, we'll keep you updated as we go. Thanks for listening. Bye, Amwhammers. Whammers. Amwham is produced by Austin Zumbro and Min Kong. Theme song composed by Austin Zumbro. Performed by Austin Zumbro and Min Kong. Logo designed by Melissa Nigro. If you like our podcast, leave us a review and subscribe.